Okay, so we're here now with our next episode of the SGS podcast. Can't remember what, which episode we are, actually. Isn't it seven? Is it episode seven? Episode I six, episode know. seven. We're, we're uh, slowly getting through uh, through the episodes, aren't we? And we are joined today with our special guest. Here, obviously, with me are my two co-hosts. Hi, I'm Mariella. Hi, I'm Finley. And we've just had Christmas, so we have had a little break from our last recording. But yeah, like I said, we are here. We're joined with a special guest, and that's Paula. And she is joining us to talk about her career and also her interest in climate change and protecting the environment, which is one of our, um, it's our new topic in geography, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Finley and Mariella usually start us off by asking you three questions. Uh, they ask to every guest, and then we've got some specific questions for you, if that's okay. That's great. Nice and loud, Finley. Name a teacher that inspired you the most to become an engineer. That's a great question. Um, I had uh, lots of teachers and um, I always enjoyed maths and I know not everybody does. So I always I always enjoyed working with maths teachers. But I specifically uh, remember Mr Pearson, my primary teacher. And obviously in primary school, the teachers uh, teach you all sorts of things. But Mr Pearson encouraged me to do whatever I wanted to do. Um, and that was really good because that means that you get confidence and that means that you can then um, think about things instead of just thinking no all the time. You think, well, maybe, and that's what you do. Yeah, and explore things. Um, what was your best moment when you were in school? Ooh, in school? Um, well, I was very, very lucky at school that I was, uh, again, I, I was pretty good at school, so I used to get awards and things, which was pretty good. Um, but I, uh, my best time was when I went, I was picked to go to a residential course, which was I went away from home, and I actually went and learned all about different types of engineering, and I went to Durham University for a week, and I got to do lots of different activities and things. So that was probably my best time because I loved that week and that really got me focused on I wanted to do engineering. Go next question. Yeah. What are your thoughts and opinions about... You have to be nice and loud for this podcast, remember. What are your thoughts and opinions about the school? About this school so far? So you about... Yeah. This school so far, well, I've just done a session uh, with two classes and I think it's been absolutely great. We've been talking about protecting the environment as well as talking about uh, career and, and engineering and civil engineering. And I was extremely impressed with how well behaved everybody was and how polite uh, they were and how informed they were about the environment and also they came up with some great ideas and I think some of them were actually ideas that they, they, they created during the session. So um, so the, the experience that I've had with the students so far is that they've, um, they've got the confidence to think about things, which is great, and they can ask about things and they form their own opinions. And then of course, I've just met you two guys and you're very polite and very articulate and you're asking very nice questions. So I'm very impressed with the school. Um, so 
would you like to just for the listeners tell us a little bit about yourself and the actual career you have and then that will hopefully um, help them understand more about the types of questions that we're going to ask you yeah of course i can sir so my name's paula and i'm a civil engineer so as i've already explained when i when i was at uh, primary school i was you know given the thoughts and, and encouraged to do maths and then when i was at secondary school i did a work experience where i learned all about different types of engineering careers and then i also when i was at secondary school i did a week's work experience at my local council and that allowed me to to find out more about civil engineering and I was really lucky that I enjoyed it so much and um, I must have been very well behaved. So when I left school, I applied for a job there as a trainee, as an apprentice, and I was very lucky to have got that. So I worked for my local council from straight from leaving school and I did lots of different things in the council, all civil engineering related. Went to lots of different departments, bridges and roads and structures and materials testing and building things and designing things and inspecting things and I did a really good grounding in all the different departments and then um, I got qualifications along the way and then I worked uh, the council stopped being a council it, it changed and so I worked for other places and I've worked on London Thames Barrier, I've worked on Hinkley Point Nuclear Power Station, which is the first one to be built for years and years and years, 25 years or something. And I have worked at building lots of different things and now I work help looking after a road in the northeast of England. So I've done a wide variety of things. So you obviously said a little bit and mentioned about qualifications there. Could you tell us a little bit about the pathway to be able to become a civil engineer and how you need what you need to do for training and maybe qualifications that you might need? Yeah, yeah. So it's pretty much the same for most engineering. So whether it's civil engineering or a different type of engineering, it's similar. There's different when you think about what you're trying to achieve at the end. There's different types of engineer. And depending on which engineer you want to be, an engineering technician, an incorporated engineer, or a chartered engineer, depends on what's the the, the grade you need to get for your academic qualifications, the ones that you study at college or at school. And there's three different grades, so it means that there's all sorts of different academic qualifications. Um, anybody with any academic qualifications can become an engineer of sorts. So you can go and do things like uh, ONCs, HNCs, NVQs, T-levels, things like that that we call vocational qualifications. So they're more hands-on and more related to a type of industry. Or after school, you can go and do something that we would call um, academic qualifications, which are more subject-related, like A-levels. So you might do maths and physics and another science, say. So you would go from school and either go vocational or um, and do an engineering type subject or plumbing or something like that, and then you would or you would do A levels or that sort of thing, or you could go straight from school like me and become an apprentice. So an apprentice means that you work four days a week and you get your qualifications one day a week, and then you can stop there uh, if you say you're going to be an engineering technician. Or you can, after them qualifications, that you can get, then go and do high qualifications, uh, and that could go up to sort of degree level, or even higher to a master's level. Now, if you do a degree or a master's, you'd be going to university, and again, you can get apprenticeships that that um, support you through that, or you can just 
going to university. Um, so it doesn't matter what what grade of you do, um, that's all working towards being an engineer. And then what's most important is, is that you then get uh, your professional qualifications. So after you've done your academic qualifications, you have experience and then you get professionally qualified. So, so how, yeah, definitely. And so how many years, so say from um, including GCSEs, you've done those, yeah. how many years of additional training after that, so after 16, would you say you have done? Yeah, so I have done over 30 years, because um, I'm getting on a bit, sir. <laughs> um, but, you, and obviously I'm learning all the time, everybody always learns all the time, every day you learn something new. So again, it depends on what you're aiming for, so say you're going to be an engineering technician, you might leave uh, school and go and do an apprenticeship for two years to go uh, an ONC, you may do a few more years after that to get experience and then you could apply to be an engineering technician by say age 21 if you do well and you achieve everything. If you say wanted to be a chartered engineer you may leave school, do A levels, then do a degree and then do a master's which would be then two years another four years so that would be six years after school and then again maybe get another four or five years of experience and then become a chartered engineer. Um, so one of the things to point out I think so is worthwhile pointing out is all of this is a bit of a journey so you, you can have like your, what you're aiming for at the end but how you get there can vary and there's very few people that actually go down just one route yeah uh, people sometimes go and do things and then they change their minds afterwards and that's fine. Many, many adults have actually changed their minds and haven't gone down that direct route. So always think about the end goal, but don't worry if it doesn't work out because sometimes it just doesn't and you can always change it if you if uh, you need to, sir. Brilliant, thank you. Go on, Mariella. What is your favourite um, sector or type of engineering? Oh, Mariella, of course, it's civil engineering. The rest are all okay, but they're not as good as civil engineering. And have you delved in and had a go at the other types of engineering in your career? No, I've always... So I'm one of the few people that I've actually just had a very direct route. I've always been a civil engineer. I've been a civil engineer at age 16. I was a training civil engineer, um, and I've never changed. However, I have actually, because I've progressed to to being a sort of big boss. I have actually been the manager of lots of different disciplines. So for example, on the Hinkley Nuclear Point uh, project, I was in charge of all of the disciplines. So I had working for me, civil engineers, structural engineers, piping engineers, architects, electrical engineers, chemical engineers, pipe stressors, and loads of others. <laughs> Yeah, so all of them different disciplines worked with me, for me, in order to actually get the project done. Because none of these disciplines work in isolation. We, All of these projects require lots of different people with lots of different skills. And we work with multidiscipline teams, we call them. Brilliant. And I know you mentioned earlier, so I think I've got a question for you. Um, you mentioned about Abu Dhabi, was it? Uh, it was Dubai, oh, yeah. Dubai. Dubai, um, yeah. Go on, Finlay. Does your job allow allow you to travel the world? It absolutely has, but I prefer to work at home, so I've actually minimised the travelling where I can. But I have done work for Dubai Aluminium, which is in Dubai, and that was a massive job where we expanded their aluminium smelting works, which was just 
ridiculously huge. The buildings, everything in that site is massive. Um, I've also worked for EDF, uh, for the nuclear power station in Hinkley Point. EDF is Electricity de France, so that's a French company. So I've gone over to France to meet people, to make sure we understood each other, to go and see some of their nuclear power plants so we could understand what they looked like and what they wanted. And I've also worked for another French company called SNF, and SNF do lots of different things, um, but they, they have lots of different uh, plants, that uh, buildings and big pots, really big like chemical plants that create things that are used in the oil and gas industry. Mm. And uh, again, I did a lot of visits over to France uh, as a result of as a result of that. Brilliant. Um, I suppose that kind of leads perfectly into the next part we were going to talk about, and that is to do with energy and um, electricity, plastics, and um, just overall protecting the environment, which is our topic at the moment, isn't it? Mm. Um, <clears throat> we've recently just been out on a litter pick to have a look at the amount of waste that we could find in our local community in and around the parks, which are, which are for children. And unfortunately, there was a lot of litter, wasn't there? Especially in the park, where the, we could even see three bins within 100 metres of each other, um, which was a shame. We're looking at uh, creating some persuasive posters at the moment to uh, maybe put up around the community to just educate them because maybe they don't know enough about the damage that it's doing. Um, yeah. Could you speak a little bit about what you see as the issues and what? how did you start um, becoming interested? Because obviously you're trying to spread the message about saving the environment and protecting the environment. Yeah, so, so I'm very, very interested because um, I can see all of the things that's happening and it makes me a little bit mad and also a little bit sad. And litter picking's a, you know, a, an exact prime example for that, isn't it? It's like, there really is no need to do it, is there? Especially if you've got bins that you can see. So hopefully, with a bit of gentle persuasion, uh, and I think a persuasive poster campaign is a great idea, sir, um, that you know think about doing that and be kind um and think about you know as you say telling people to do things but i'm very interested in it because i think um it's the most important thing that we're facing um that you know it's literally our home and we've not treated our home very well and we've not treated the other guests in our home very well and our, our other sort of our other family um the whole planet's family being trees and plants and other types of animals and um, we haven't treated them very well at all have we and i think that we should all be kind and i think we should all be nice to each other and i don't think that we have been and that's that's the global we that's it that's mm. absolutely everybody um and we've all done our little bit to be part of that problem um whether we meant we didn't mean it but that's what we've done anyway um, so I think that with a bit of persuasion that we can all be part of that solution and I think we can do it by being kind sir and I think it's extremely important that we talk about it lots so everybody understands the problem and then everybody can be part of that solution. Yeah and um, what do you think might be some of the best solutions to help the problems that we are clearly facing? Yeah so first of all it's education we need to understand we need to all understand what the problem is and, and how, how bad it really is because until you actually accept that there's a problem you don't you don't you're not going to do anything about it if you don't think there's a problem you're not going to try and solve it so first of all it's understanding there is a problem and then the education as well is to how you can actually 
do something positively to solve it. So absolutely picking up litter, but before you pick up litter, preventing people from throwing the litter on the ground is obviously the best thing, sir. And it's things that we talked about during our session just now. Turning off lights, not wasting water, um, not using single-use plastics and single-use other things. Making sure that we, that we do recycle, but before we recycle, we reduce what we buy, we reuse what we've got. Um, and it could be you reusing it, or it could be other people reusing it. You can share things and give things away uh, to friends, family, charity shops, other things. And only then, when it's absolutely at the centre of its life, uh, do you recycle. And I think we all have a part to play. It's something that I'm very passionate about because a lot of this stuff is very easy. And it's very, very easy. And we can actually save the planet. So why wouldn't we do it? Yeah, definitely. Any. Uh... Have you got anything to add or any questions, um, either of you? Hmm. Have a little think. I've, uh, my next question for you would be, um, do you have any, uh, perhaps, top tips for reducing our waste that you could give to people? Maybe three top tips or things that you do that you've changed maybe and people could just make quick changes in, in their life. So, for example, kind of said one there about reduce, reuse uh, with the plastic and use a bottle and refill it and get a good uh, bottle that they can use as a everyday water bottle rather than just getting single-use plastic bottles of water. Yeah, yeah. So there's absolutely that one. There's just the, you know, just everything you do, do you think you need it, right? So I think what I've done is, is I've said, right, do I need things? And if I need them, I need them, yeah. And then I've thought, there's some of these things that I don't actually need it. You say, so I do need You say you need it, but you don't, you just want it. And that's fine to want things, right? And I've not totally and utterly stopped having everything that I want, but I've dramatically reduced the things that I want. So there's times when I've looked at, and, and there's adverts all the time, and it's extremely tempting that they're there to, to tempt you to buy things. And so every time now I see something and I'm tempted to buy it, I say, do I need it or do I want it? And if I need it, I buy it. If I want it, um then I'll think, right, well, how much do I want it? Is it actually worth all of the the other things? And most of the time, if I talk to myself and I'm honest with myself, I don't actually. Mm. So uh, I've stopped reducing all of the stuff that I buy, especially things like clothes. Yeah, so I've done that. Um, I've also had a look at what I, what I actually own and thinking, am I using it? And there's a lot of stuff that I've got that I've got spare things for, and I'm never going to use it. So I found a local group that that has people that um, that need things. So there's there's lots of people in the community that the stuff that you have just got spare, or you'll never use, or you bought and it doesn't fit, or you don't want it. They could that really would be precious to them. And that would be a really big help to them. So I've been through the house and I've done a good sort out. And I thought, the stuff that I've got that's just sat in a cupboard that I'm never going to use, I've given away. Um, and you don't have to give things away. You can sell things as well, you know, so you don't have to just give things away. Um, but that's what I've done. I've given things away that I'm not going to need. So I'm reducing the things that I'm buying um, and using. And I'm, uh, I've given away the things that I've already got that can be reused by others. And... Find them food. So I've, I've dramatically reduced the amount of meat that I eat. Again, ideally, it would be great, sir, if we all went vegan, right? 
that's great. But I'm being kind to myself and I know that I would struggle with that. That would be something that um, I'd find really quite difficult to become vegan. So what I'm doing is, is I'm trying to, as much as possible, um, like limit the amount of meat that I have. So I'm having less meals with meat in. And I'm having, uh, those the times that I do have meat, I'm having a smaller portion as well and having more fruits and, and vegetables. for those who are listening who maybe don't understand the benefit of that, what what's the purpose of reducing the amount of meat that we eat? That's a good question, sir. So, um, eating meat, the reason why it's a problem is, is because you may not realise it, but almost 45%, that's almost half of the whole of the planet's area, is being used for agriculture. Agriculture is another word for farming. And the problem with that is, is we've taken down natural areas that have lots of biodiversity, lots of different types of plants and lots of different types of animals. And we have <clears throat> changed that and we've changed it for fields for animals to graze in, fields with a single type of wheat or type of thing that we're growing, fruit trees or whatever. Um, and all of that has meant that we've reduced our biodiversity and, and the rich sort of fabric of the world always worked in balance because we've had all of these different types of animals and plants that's all worked in harmony and we've sort of changed the balance of it. So agriculture is a big problem and the problem specifically with meat is is that you're using the land for the animals to live on, yeah, but then you're also using loads and loads of land as well, growing food for the animals. So you're actually using a lot more land and water and also often the animals are in one place the food's getting grown in another and the people that eat the animals are somewhere else so they're also traveling all the way around the world all of this grain's going to the animals the animals are then coming to us and they're going all the way around the world so that's another problem with the transport but we're basically using it for, for having animals we've got lots of land being used we're using lots of grain and lots of uh, land use and but if we just ate vegetables, yeah, uh, which would that would mean you've got a vegan diet, you only have vegetables, nothing from animal based at all, then you'd only need the land for you growing the vegetables for yourself instead of the land that's growing the vegetables yourself plus the land that's growing the vegetables for the animals plus the land that the animals are growing upon. So it's a massive reduction, um, and that's one of the key things we could all change. But again. One of the things to bear in mind with all of this is make sure you're kind to other people and make sure you're kind to yourself as well. Yeah, celebrate the things that you can do and give yourself a, a bit of a pat on the back and, and encourage others to do good things. But don't, you won't be able to do everything and that's also fine. Yeah. Like you said about education, if we can help educate other people and spread that message in a kind, positive way, it's going to have more of a chance of having, having a bigger impact, isn't it? For sure. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just one last thing then uh, before we finish is you mentioned some of the cool places that you'd worked on before. I know me and Mr. Reed's ears were probably uh, thinking all that and uh, you caught our, our attention straight away when you said you'd worked on places like the Emirates and yeah. you'd worked on the building, did you say, of Wimbledon? So I haven't, so Robert McAlpine has yeah, the company that I've company. worked for, so colleagues of mine have, yeah. yeah. And so that's cool, just because it's. I think it's quite relatable, obviously. We've got a lot of people who enjoy football and maybe watch the yeah. tennis and things so it's just it's just to showcase the exciting places that you can end up working you know by becoming like an engineer civil engineer and other things like that yeah so there's 
tons and tons of cool stuff that civil engineers buy so i mean uh, make sorry uh, design and build um so some of the cool stuff that's around mcalpine have done as you've mentioned sir we've we've put the, the retractable roof onto wimbledon which goes forward and back as the weather dictates we've built emirates stadium we've built the london olympic stadium um, but we also, we've, we're a company that's very, that's quite old. We're one of the oldest um, companies. And we, do you know the Harry Potter movie where um, Harry and Ron were in the flying car and they went over the viaduct where the train was and they were sort of seeing the yeah. train? So that viaduct there, we built that as well. Oh, did you? Very cool. But, yeah. yeah. So there's lots and lots of great stuff um that we've built and um it, it's really quite cool i'll send you some links sir to some of the cool stuff that's around yeah, the built. yeah and um and then you could maybe put the links alongside the the podcast and yeah. people can actually watch we've got some good videos on the sort of things the breadth of what we've done yeah definitely um, yeah that shows nicely the the breadth of civil engineering because mm. civil engineers build infrastructure and infrastructure is everything you need all sorts of different types of buildings including schools and hospitals and football stadiums and shopping centers uh, but it's also all transportation so we do roads and bridges and train lines and train stations and things uh, and we also do things that you need like water and electricity so it's a massive massive sector and that's what i love about it it's very very varied brilliant brilliant um we can uh, end the punk end the podcast there um excellent thank you so much for being on our podcast uh, what do we what do we say for me mariella thank you yeah thank yeah. you um do you want to <clears throat> sign us out mariella it's been a while since we've done one can you remember um no, really. What about you, Finley? Um, Got to thank the listeners for listening. Remember to tune in. I mean, goodbye, everyone. Remember to tune in in two weeks for the next podcast. Yeah, and thank you very much, Paul, for being on our podcast. Um, lovely to have you on today, and obviously do your session that you did for our year fives and sixes. It's been very interesting. Thank you very much. <laughs>